Hi there, welcome to Glenlyden Baptist Church's podcast network. We're glad you can join us today. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us on our website, www.gebc.org.nz. We hope you enjoy the pod. What a great day. Thank you, Anna. Right on the button of uh, what the Spirit's saying to us. And thanks, Greg, for that time. And everyone who participated, that's very much what the, what the Lord is wanting to do. God spoke to me um, a couple of years ago at a retreat I was on in, for a Holy Spirit retreat in Hanma. And he spoke to me out of this verse that's going to come up here in just a moment. But it, say, it says this, But the time is coming, indeed is here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father's looking for those who will worship him in that way. For God is spirit, and those who worship him must, must worship in spirit and truth. And for about 20 minutes, God just, the Holy Spirit just picked out certain phrases out of that verse. And he said, the time is, he spoke this into my mind. He said, the time is, here now, true worshippers, spirit and truth, the Father seeks. The time is, here now. True worshippers, spirit and truth, the Father seeks. The time is. And those words were just burned indelibly into my brain. And I know that this is a time when God is taking truth, intellect, academics, and saying, that's only half the picture. That's, that's not the full picture of the Christian life. There's the spirit the work of the Holy Spirit, and they must go together. And he's bringing this as to normal Christianity for the body of Christ across our land. You don't look happy. That's a good thing. God's not just going to be academics. He's going to be Holy Spirit plus knowledge together. This is the time for the body of Christ. And in churches right across our land, this is happening. In people's lives right across our land, this is happening. You know, there was a time in the 80s where Baptist churches fought, people in Baptist churches fought one another about the Holy Spirit in arguments. Not, not so much this. Didn't hear of any of those. But certainly in fights. And there were times when most Baptist churches hemorrhaged beautiful, solid, but charismatic people to the local AOGs of whatever town they were in, and it's happened within this church through that time as well. And that's not the season that we're in today, but the season we're in today is that sometimes people will say, oh, well, that's, that's good, but um, I'm more, you know, intellect and academics rather than Holy Spirit. And some people will say, well, I, I'm more that than this. As if we get an opportunity to stand over the Word of God and say, I want that bit, but not that bit. It's called higher criticism from a theological point of view where people say, I want that, but I'm having nothing to do with that. But God is saying, now is the day when I'm going to put truth and academics and the best of learnings and degrees, if you want them, in theology and masters and PhDs in theology. But on top of that, I'm putting the power of the Holy Spirit and the knowledge of hearing my voice and hearing me on a daily basis as being normal and learning to use the gift of discernment and discerning things and casting out of evil spirits 
All of those things, and praying for the sick and healing and seeing people actually get better and recover, all of those things are being put together so that this becomes normal Christianity. And it's what we're seeking, and it's what the Holy Spirit is seeking. And I want to challenge you today to be a person who just says, I'm, I'm someone who wants to be spirit-led. You know, the, 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 in Romans, it says that the children of God are those who are led by the Spirit. In many places through the Bible, it says the children of God are those who are led by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. And if we say, I don't want to have anything really to do with the Holy Spirit at all, then I say that, that we're making a bit of a mockery of saying Jesus is Lord. Because it's the Holy Spirit who brings the Lordship of Jesus into our life. The Holy Spirit was poured out upon the world over 2,000 years ago and he's never left. There will be a day when he does leave. And I don't think anyone in the church wants to be on the earth when the Holy Spirit is withdrawn from the earth probably at the rapture. But he's here now. I like to think of him as the executive agent of the, of the Godhead for this time. When we invite Jesus into our life, the Holy Spirit comes into our life and he brings the presence of Jesus to us. Another thing I want to say, I want to be a little bit controversial. I want to get under your skin, whether you're watching online or whether you're here personally now. If you say, I'm more academics than Holy Spirit. No, God wants both. I want to say to you, if you leave the Holy Spirit out of your life, not only is the Lordship of Jesus suspect, but you're probably living a very boring life. Because it's the Holy Spirit who leads us into adventures. You know, when it's all just rules and principles, we become religious. And religion stinks. It stunk in Jesus' day. He pulled the Pharisees up on it time and time again. said, don't be like this. There's a better way. But, you know, we can all fall into this living by rules, living by principles for weeks, months, even years at a time. I look back over my life and I recognize whole seasons where I wasn't listening to the Holy Spirit. And he had to pull me up on it one day, or several days, many times, until I realized, no, I want to, I want to nail my colors to the mast, that I am a spirit-filled Christian. I can't preach anything different other than what the Spirit gives me. I can't be anything different other than what the Holy Spirit speaks into my life. And I wonder whether you want to, to be that determined in your life as well. A boring life is not what Jesus promised. He said, you can have life, you can have it to the full, and it comes by being spirit-led. Paul spoke to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 3, and, and he said, you guys are foolish. He said, you started in the spirit, are you now trying to do it by your own best works, doing it in the flesh? And fleshly, fleshly things won't actually accomplish very much in life. It certainly won't take us into the things of God, fleshly things. You know, a man died and his wife phoned the newspaper and placed an obituary, obituary in the paper and she said, this is what I want you to print. Brian is dead. So the guy on the other end of the line, he says, well, look, you know, it's $65. You get six words for that. So there must be more than just Brian is dead. And, and the wife thought for a bit and she said, okay, print this. Brian is dead. 
Toyota for sale. <laughs> Wouldn't it be sad if that's all our life counted for? If they could only say, well, let's sell the car now. You know, your life is to be impacting. Your life is to be meaningful. Your life is to make a difference. That's what God has saved us for. He wants us to be a person who is attractive to other people, who, who makes a difference in other people's lives, who swims against the current of popular culture. How many know the culture in the Western world is going the other direction to where God wants it to go? Can I say that again? How many know that the current in the Western world is flowing in the other direction to where God wants it to go? Yeah, and he's looking for people who will swim the other way and be so good at it, they attract others who are going that direction to go, what was that? Who was that? Man, I want what they've got. You know, I want to especially say to anyone who's young in this room today, put your hands up if you consider yourself young. <laughs> but I'm actually talking to those in their 20s and in their 30s. Thanks, Craig. Um, especially, and you may be online or you may be listening to this at some other time, but if you're young here today, this can be the best time for influencing others. You know, you don't have to wait until you're so much older and another number of years older. You can influence people when you're young. It, you know, in my 20s it was, and, and teens and 20s was one of the best times for influencing and most influential times I, I had. I've got a group of friends, five or six friends, that I'm still basically journeying life with, but I was journeying life with them at that stage. And, and there was a time when I was the only Christian amongst the whole group. And, and I'm not saying that I'm responsible. My influence had a little bit. I listened to the Holy Spirit as much as I could, and I shared what was going on with me, and I spoke into their lives, you know, and slowly one after the other gave their lives to Jesus Christ in their 20s. Craig Allen's an example of that. Put your hand up, Craig. He was just giving me a drink. This man's testimony is an amazing testimony. You know, he's got this great, well, it's not great, this terrible story of trying to outrun the cops because he'd been drinking a bit on his motorbike and he's zigzagging all over the place and then crashes. It's an amazing story of how God got him to a low point where he started to accept and, and turned around and gave his life to Jesus Christ. There's a whole lot more, but it's Craig's story. And then Mark Woolley was another one. And, and then Ken Fish was another one, and Peter Fish, and Clint Dredge. And amazingly, these guys all started coming to this church and married some of the beautiful girls in this church. That's an incredible story. But you don't have to be any certain age before you can begin to influence people. I remember Ken. We'd just been surfing on the north side of Lion Rock. It's all sand there now, but, but it was a, a pretty good break when the conditions were right, and Ken and I were sitting on the beach after the surf, and he was saying to me, oh, I don't know if this God is real. And I said, Ken, I'd, I was telling him various things, and I said, can I pray for you? And he, he let me pray, and I said, God, just reveal yourself to him. Show him that you're real. And then the next time I saw Ken was the next day, about 6.30 in the morning, and he's banging on my door trying to wake me up because he had something that he just had to tell me. And I get out of bed, and I come out, and Ken's there, and he's white. He's ashen-faced. Something really significant had happened. I said, what's, gone, what's happened, Ken? He said, I had a dream. 
He said, in the dream, the roof of, I was lying in bed and the roof of our house just, just um, opened up like this and I'm staring at the stars. And now I'm looking at the stars way, way out there and then one of them starts to move and it starts screaming towards me. And when it gets really close to the house, it spells out guardian angel. And then it stops right over the house, over his bed, and he wakes up. Only now he's awake, and it's a full-on wake dream. You with me? An open vision. And he's staring at this guardian angel, and he said, I said, what would you do? He said, I'm on the floor. I'm repenting of every sin I can think of, and I'm asking Jesus to come into my life, and I want him as the Lord and Savior of my life. And, and he said, what do you reckon, John? <laughs> 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 you don't have to be any special age to influence your friends and to be able to nudge them towards Jesus Christ as your spirit led, listening to his prompts and then going and doing the things that he asks us to do like we've been talking about today. You know, going on for Jesus when you're young is the best thing. Going full on. 110, 120, 150% for Jesus Christ, listening to the Holy Spirit and going for it. It can change your world and it can begin to change the people in your world's lives as they start to share with their friends as well. And all of my friends have become great leaders in their own rights and great influences in their own rights. So how do we grow the spiritual side of our lives? Jesus was really clear that spiritual growth and advancement occurs from abiding, beholding, and filling. Say it with me. Abiding, beholding, and filling. John 15.5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He or she who abides in me, and I in them, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Most of the church don't believe that last part. We're all pretty convinced that we can help God out quite a bit with our best ideas. But Jesus said, ah, it's by abiding in me that stuff will happen around your life. Because when we abide with Jesus, basically it means hang out. It may be you hang out with a guitar. Braden probably does. It may be you hang out in a certain place, getting the word out. But wherever you abide, you'll begin to hear God's voice. He'll begin to speak to you. And he does that through the Holy Spirit. And then this spiritual advancement and growth comes by beholding, seeing, perceiving, not necessarily with these eyes, but the eyes that are here, seeing the Holy Spirit, sensing God's manifest presence. You know, God is everywhere. God is with us. What's the technical term for it? Omnipresent. Omnipresent. But God is not manifest everywhere on the earth. There are times when he manifests himself. He comes in a way into a room upon a person so that they know that the living God just turned up. It's an amazing time. Sometimes softly, sometimes with such power you just knock down on the ground. Just going, oh, flip. You're here, Lord. <laughs> How cool is that? The atmosphere changes. 2 Corinthians chapter um, 3. Now the Lord is the Spirit. See, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? They're different entities, and yet they're one entity, and they work together. It's called Trinity. It's beyond our brain. But it's there in Scripture, and it's how God works. 
the Lord, we think of that as the Lord Jesus Christ, the Donai, the Lord Jesus. But it says the Lord is the Spirit. Here's this confusing mixture that Trinity brings. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. See, when the Holy Spirit manifests the presence of God amongst us, there's a transformation that goes on in people's hearts and lives for the Christians that are there. Keith Green, if you're old enough, you remember him in the 80s, was a tremendous songwriter, unfortunately died in a a plane crash. Um, But he would have concerts, and the Spirit of God would just descend upon the concert. And he said sometimes it would come so strongly he'd get away from the piano. In fact, he'd sit himself under the piano so that he could not interrupt what the Holy Spirit was doing in the room as he was touching people and doing things. And people would get up and testify, and others would be crying from front to back of the room. Just amazing things. When the presence of God comes, there's transformation into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. If you want to do significant things for God, it's really important to go after his presence. And the most common place that the Spirit of God manifests and reveals greater dimensions of his presence is church on Sundays and cell group. When the people gather, God will often open up through the worship, his presence, and the atmosphere suddenly just changes. You know, you remember Joshua? Give us a wave if you're with me and you remember Joshua in the Old Testament. Moses' um, understudy. And he would tag along on the coattails of Moses when the presence of God would come down and it would come down as a fire over the tent and that was the signal God wanted to talk to Moses. So Moses would get what stop whatever he was doing and he would go into that tent and Joshua would go, whoop, I'm in there too. And he's the only one that did it. And it says that Moses would then leave the tent. There's a little phrase I think in Exodus where it says, but Joshua would stay behind in the presence of God. Who was chosen as the next leader of the nation? The man who had stayed behind in the presence of God, learning from God, hearing him in his presence, changed. That's one of the best leadership lessons you can get in the body of Christ right there. You know, I remember one service when God's presence was really strong in this church And the gifts began to operate uh, in that service. And there was a team from the Solomon Islands here. And Judy, the administrator's parents, had brought this team over. And uh, Gordon Wilson had brought it, the team here. And there was a lady that a few of us were ministering to at the end of the church, right down the front here. And we were basically getting nowhere. We were praying, but it was like everything was just hitting the wall. and, And she wasn't being changed. In fact, she was just a little bit argumentative. And uh, we weren't getting anywhere. And one of the Solomon Island ladies who was sitting down about where you and uh, Jenny and Grayson down there right now, she stood up. And we're praying for this lady down here. And the moment that Solomon Island lady stood, somehow this woman turned and they connected eyes. And fear came over this person's life. And there were like sparks going. And they're this far apart in the room. And she gets out and she starts walking towards her. And the lady that's here 
starts screaming, get away from me, with this blood-curdling scream. And the atmosphere in this building just went, what just happened? She comes forward, she commands the spirit, the demon, to, to leave her. She's writhing on the floor, and then in a few moments, she's completely free. And I'm thinking, how come I didn't know there was a spirit in there? How come I didn't know there was a demon? God, God, there's a lot I need to learn. I'd been counseling this lady for weeks and weeks and weeks. Wasted my breath. She's free in a couple of minutes. And man, you should have seen the reaction of some people in this room. Some of them, they were out that door in their car and driving home. So fast, there was like rubber marks, burn marks <laughs> on the carpet. And other people were just glorifying God and coming around and going, Go, God! What an amazing thing that took place. There's nothing boring following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He takes us into places where we are, as that song said, walking on water and going, Flip, what do I do? What do I do next? But He's there and He leads us and it happens. I was in a cell group, um, I can't remember whether I was leading it or not, but uh, way back uh, in my time here, and a newly married woman turned up for the cell group night, and I had my guitar, so we would be worshipping each week, and the presence of God would come, and that, that amazing spiritual thing of the, of the manifest presence coming over the room, the atmosphere changing, and we ended up praying for this new lady who had come. And she was in real pain, all down her back, she said. And, and, and the pain changed, the situation changed, and she became somewhat um, less in pain and killed. And she went home. We were all pretty, pretty thrilled. And she came each week, week after week after week, and we prayed for her every time she came. And she eventually said, look, can I tell you guys my story? And um, she had brought x-rays and she said, I was hit by a car, and I've got a broken pelvis that has been put back together again. And, and she showed us the x-rays, and she was just full of stainless steel, holding it together. And, and she said, my husband, he cooks for, for this night, and he gets everything ready, and he says, come on, you've got to get off to cell group, you've got to go. And she said, she, he won't let me not go to cell group, because if we, I don't go to cell group, we have a horrible week. But he said, you guys pray, and God does something, and I'm a little bit more healed, and a little bit more healed, and there's less pain. She said, I've been off, I can't work a whole week, um, she said, or even a whole day. I get so far, and the pain's so bad, I have to go home and take medication. I spend the whole afternoon in bed, and, and I can't cook, and I can't clean, and all this. But since I've been coming here, she said, I'm now back almost working full time each day. And she said, the pain is gone, and my husband is over the <laughs> with the change that's been taking place. And, you know, we were absolutely blown away with her story. And it began from the manifest presence that came as we worshipped. Don't let COVID keep you from gathering with the people of God and worshipping week by week. When I was surfing, or when I, yeah, when I was surfing, um, the worst thing that could happen is you turn up and someone says, man, you should have been here this morning. You should have been here yesterday. It was amazing yesterday. Rubbish today. You go out and have a bit of a paddle, but, you know, you should have been here. The worst thing that can happen for us as Christians is we hear 
man, you should have been here Sunday. God moved. We have no idea what God might do on any given Sunday and the way that he might just do things in people's lives. Don't let fear hold you back from being gathered together as the church. And then spiritual growth and advancement occurs from being filled and refilled with the Spirit. It's an active verb in Ephesians chapter 4. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Acts chapter 2, 1-4, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with, with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. These are the things that take us forward and give us the adventures in God that God has for us. Abiding, beholding, and filling. And it often looks messy. And yet there's an absolute freedom that comes when the Spirit breaks open in a service or in a meeting, or at the end of a meeting. And there's something amazingly attractive and, and I want to be back there next week. I want to see this again. I don't want to leave. You know when revival hits? I was reading about the Hebridean revival about a, or late last year. And, and when revival hits, the, the, the meetings go on into the night and into the night and they basically have to say, go home, don't you guys have houses to go to? Go and sleep. Because the people are so attracted by the Lord. And they'll come at all hours of the day and night as, as God's manifest presence is there. But it's quite legitimate to ask, does there have to be a shaking and an unordered stuff happening when the Holy Spirit comes to minister? And the answer is no. Not always. But probably yes. And sometimes when I'm praying for people, I wish that more would happen. I wish that at least shake. Come on, Holy Spirit. And other times there's so much going on, you go, I'd like a little bit of calm. And I think God does it both ways so that we don't get hung up on manifestations because we're not seeking manifestations. Basically, it's all by faith. It's all by faith. But I do like a bit of bedlam. Let me give you some examples. I'll, I'll try and be mm, quick. <laughs> of God putting spirit and truth together. Nikki Gumbel has written Alpha. Anyone heard of it? Come on, give me a wave if you know the Alpha course. I should have every hand up. I'm doing Alpha at the moment at Langholm Baptist. I'm hoping to get saved. Um, <coughs> I just wanted to do the course. Anyway, Nikki, Nikki is a, 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 was a barrister, very bright guy. Um, but that's not the reason it's such a good course. What a lot of people don't know is that before Nicky wrote Alpha about 35 years ago, he went to Toronto. He went to the place where what's called the Toronto Blessing took place because he was running after God. He was seeking God, and he met God there. And then God sent him back, empowered, and he wrote the Alpha Course. And the Alpha Course still has Holy Spirit power as a significant part of what that course actually is. And it's been the most, probably the most effective tool. Sorry, Lewis, but been probably one of the most effective tools in the world for the last 30-something years. It's in so many different languages. Spirit and truth. You with me? Heidi Baker, she's a living legend. 
Her story is she went to Mozambique to care for the poor as a missionary. And she has a PhD. So she's right up there in the academic field. And her church promised her a million dollars for her ministry. That's not bad. We've never sent anyone out from any Baptist church that I know of in New Zealand and said, we'll give you a million as you go. But this church said to Heidi, we'll give you a million dollars. And the plan was she was going to start an orphanage. But God's plan for Heidi was much, much bigger. And it started when she got filled with the Spirit. And when the church heard that she'd been filled with the Holy Spirit and had this encounter with God, they said, you renounce the Holy Spirit or there's no money. And Heidi said to them, keep your money. I'm going after what God wants. We're going to trust the Lord. And I heard the story from Randy Clark when he was preaching at Liberty a couple of years ago. And, and he said God's, he was preaching at the night Heidi got really impacted by the Spirit. And he, was, he said, I was preaching one of those, God must come absolutely first in your life. And his will is the thing that, that you need to be after. And he said, Heidi raced forward to the altar before he'd finished preaching. And she got down on her knees and she started just crying out to God. And God came down upon her. Now, when God comes down upon someone, it's usually they're out under the power of God for five to 20 minutes. And, and, but Heidi never woke up. Heidi, Heidi was still out under the power of God when they finished the meeting. So her husband, Roland, had to pick her up and carry her to the car and then take her from the car into the hotel room and put her to bed. And Heidi stayed out under the power of God for seven days. She needed such a massive impartation because of what God was going to do with her um, in her ministry. And she could have had a really reputable ministry, and she could have been praised on earth with this million dollars that the church was going to give her, and she would start an orphanage, and maybe there'd be even another orphanage, and she'd get to heaven, and God would have said, well done, Heidi, but I want you to see what you could have had. And God would have taken her to various rooms and says, here's all the resources, here's all the blessings, here's all the fruit, you know, just showing her TV screens of what could have been in her life if she'd gone after the money. But she didn't. This is what has happened so far in her life. In 1995, beginning with nothing, within months she was given a rundown orphanage with 80 children. And then her ministry expanded to include well drilling for, for good, clean water for people in Mozambique, free health clinics, a feed, feeding programs, a primary schools and secondary schools, and cottage industries for the poor. And by 2012, she had planted 5,000 churches, 17 years, she had planted 5,000 churches within Mozambique. And... She's planted over 8,000 churches in 30 nations around the world. She has Bible schools. And you can just go on and on with what ministry God has given to her as truth, academics, and Holy Spirit-inspired, powered ministry come together. And they say that Heidi, her, her way of doing things, she'll go into a Muslim village and she'll just say, if anyone has hearing problems or eyesight problems, come and God will heal you. And she has had, um, time after time, 100% of people with any, from de any deafness whatsoever completely healed. 
And of course, as people, as that happens, they just open up to Jesus. Who is this God that you represent? Churches get planted. Amazing change takes place. And it all happened after she was filled with the Holy Spirit. I was going to tell you about probably our most famous pastor in, in New Zealand, um, Murray Robertson in Spraydon. And he, he went to catch the fire in 1987. And they say, I, w- I was in the room, but I didn't see it. But he, he went forward on an altar call and he rolled across the room and then rolled back across the room, the floor here uh, in Beaumont Street, and rolled and rolled for 20 minutes. And then he got up. But when he went back to Spraydon, he brought the Holy Spirit ministry with him. The impartations on him as he preaches, as he's speaking with people, things just began to absolutely blossom and grow. And similar to what's happened here with Vision West, um, which has grown just astronomically under Lisa's leadership, Spraydon has had the same sort of thing happen with them, with community ministries that have just blossomed and grown and uh, an amazing work has been taking place. One of the intercessors in Spraydon um, had a dream. And in the dream, she saw two, Spraydon gave birth to two children. And they grew up and they were both as big as each other. And, and the interpretation of that was that one of the um, children that grew up was all this community ministry that grew around Spraydon Baptist. And the other was going to be a, another twin but it would be basically unseen by most people. And when Murray heard that, it quickened in his heart, and he knew that this was God encouraging him in missions. Because he'd he'd gone to Spraydon to um, just be a little bit of a launching pad and go out on missions himself. He never did. He stayed there, and the church grew to several thousand people. And and, uh, this amazing thing happened. So he, he felt that God was saying, this was the time now to launch promise, faith promise. So as well as people tithing every week, once a year, they started having a missions offering that they called faith promise, and people got behind it, and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars are given every single year, and scores of missionaries, Baptist missionaries, have gone out from Spraydon. This is what God does. This is what God does. You know, it's worth it. It's so easy to live our Christian life in our own strength, but it leads to boredom and disinterest. I think it's one of the reasons why so many who loved the Lord and were on fire for him in their 20s and 30s have left church in their 40s and 50s. And they say things like, oh, I've heard every kind of message there is. I don't need to hear any more. The sad thing is that they disengage and move away from the body of Christ where they're supposed to be a part of the life and the power and the stories. Every single one of us needs to have things that we can look at back in our life and say, how on earth did I do that? How did that happen? And we need not just one how did it happen, Oh, yeah, it was God. You understand that, eh? Following the Spirit's leading, you go and start to do something, and it just opens out, and you go, flip, that's bigger and better and brighter than I could ever have imagined it was ever going to be. We need one after another after another after another. 
In 2008, God spoke to me and he said, he said these words. I love the way God speaks to me. He said, this is a great year to raise a million dollars. It was also the year the global financial crisis hit. So I went back to church after God had spoken this to me. And I said to the church, this is what God has said. This is a great year to raise a million dollars. So that means you've got it in your bank accounts and your pockets and we're going to seek God and we're going to give it together and it'll be a million dollars. Everyone picked their chin up off the floor and digested that. But it happened. Actually, $1,040,000 was given. And before that, the biggest offering that I'd ever been part of asking a church for was for $16,000. We got there, but that was massive. And now God said a million. And we went on and did another building program, which again was in the millions of dollars. And if you, some of you have seen the facilities at St. Albans, the church that I passed, Sandra and I pastored down there. And I wander around those buildings and I go, how did we do this? <laughs> People in the community came in when we opened it up first time for the community. They're going, how did this come about? And you go, I sort of know, but the whole answer is it's God. We need every single one of us these sort of stories. We're singing about it. Let's go after it. My challenge to you is, I know you love academics. I know you believe in the word of God. But the word of God, out of that springs remus. A remus is a, is a personal word for you and for me. Out of that springs remus that take us into the spirit realm. God wants to put our academics and his Holy Spirit leading together. Will you today nail your colours to the mast that you are spirit and truth? Now, the time is spirit and truth. The Father seeks such worshippers. If you want to say yes God, I want more of your Holy Spirit. I want some new adventures. Stand, and I'll pray for you. Thanks again for joining with us today. If you'd like to know more information on the church or reach out to one of the pastors, please visit our website, www.gebc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day.